Great word, Mary. Too much stuff. Where's all that crystal today? You don't even know, do you? Garage sale. You know what? You go to these garage sales and you see stuff that you know people were absolutely enamored of. They had to have it, and there it is. Because they're gone and their kids are just selling it for peanuts. God is so good, and he opens our eyes to what really matters. And we see that as the God of the universe, Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, comes back into Capernaum. Last week, we had him in his hometown of Nazareth, or he was driven out. Now he's going back to Capernaum, the town where Peter was living and working and where they did base of ministry in the Galilee. We spend a lot of time in Capernaum when we're in Israel. Listen to what happens in this particular situation as he goes back to Capernaum. Luke chapter 4, verses 31 to 37. Listen to God's word. Jesus went down to Capernaum. He walks through this magnificent path, through the valley of the winds and the doves. We go there to this day. We come right down to the Sea of Galilee. He came to a city in Galilee, Capernaum, and was teaching them there on the Sabbath. They were astounded at his teaching because he spoke with authority. In the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Let us alone! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. When the demon had thrown him down before them, he came out of him without having done him any harm. They were all amazed and kept saying to one another, What kind of utterance is this? With the authority and power, for with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And a report about Jesus began to reach every place in the region. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May God come and speak to us with power and authority as we trust in his word. Let's pray. Father, let your good news come now and find us, particularly in this time, in this day, in this week, in this season in which we find ourselves in this world and life. And let your good news come not only in word, but in power with the full assurance of your Holy Spirit. And let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be truly acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock and you are our salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Aren't you glad that we're here? Aren't you, aren't you glad we have this place and this setting and this faith and this relationship with the God who gave himself up for us, particularly when evil rears its ugly head like we've seen so tragically this week? Aren't you glad? Praise God. You know, for 10 years prior to sem- going to seminary, I was a power broker. 
I was in the motorcycle business. And a lot of that had to do with racing. With racing. And that meant we were always selling more power. <laughs> to the insatiable power people who could not get enough. Every year, a new model with more power than the one before. Another gear, another cylinder. Every month, new products to make the engine develop more power, more thrill, more promise of getting across the finish line before the other person. It was addictive, absolutely addictive, and we were selling it faster than we could get it. But I've realized that power is not just of an internal combustion nature since then. In fact, I don't think it was horsepower that my customers and I were after in that season. It was what we thought that would give us. That's the power we're talking about that our world wants. It's what we think we can buy, what we think we can contain or manage or package. Listen, I, this came to me this week before any of the other stuff that's, that's gone down this week happened, so it's, it's a touch of God's Holy Spirit. But in an article for the Wall Street Journal, journal researcher Jonah Lehrer noted that most of us are nicer when we're climbing the social ladder, but once we get closer to the top, we start acting like a beast. Or as Oliver Warbucks once said, it doesn't matter who you step up, step on on the way to the top if you don't plan on coming back down. Listen, as one business professor concluded, it's an incredibly consistent effect. When you give people power, they basically start acting like fools. They flirt inappropriately, tease in a hostile fashion, and become totally impulsive. Some have even compared the feeling of power to brain damage. Amen? Huh? Noting that people with lots of authority tend to behave like neurological patients with a damaged frontal lobe, <laughs> a brain area that's crucial for empathy and decision-making. Are you seeing what I'm seeing this past week? Lara noted a, a study in which psychologists asked members of a high-power group about speeding. This is where it gets really good. The group concluded that it was okay for them to speed but that it was important for others to follow the posted speed limit. You get that, officer? Their rationale was that powerful people are important and had a good reason for speeding. Lehrer concludes, even the most virtuous people can be undone by the corner office. Lord Acton was right. On a human level, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Which is why this passage makes Jesus of Nazareth the most powerful and credible and significant person who ever lived. And I say person 
Because we see in this passage that in his full humanity, Jesus had his disposal, the power to do anything he wanted, and instead deferred. Deferred that power to the one to whom he had come to serve and to make known and to proclaim. Jesus had and has the ability to exploit power for his own sake. He was the God of the universe. Don't make any mistake about that. He was fully man, but he was fully God. He could have done anything he wanted. But instead, what does he do with his power? He takes what makes him significant in this setting and has made him significant ever since by setting apart claims for himself and does with his power and authority what has made every one of us able to know wholeness forever. He gives it away. Authority, power, he gives it away on the cross for us. Luke tells us people were astounded at Jesus' teaching because he spoke with authority. The word for authority here means that they realized what he said and did was from beyond human measure. This guy isn't from around here. This is something special going on here. Even as Jesus emptied himself, because he had emptied himself, people realized that he was more than this world could contain. When he speaks to the heart of the people's worst fear that day in Capernaum, what happens? A demon comes out. That's their greatest fear, that the devil would overcome them. And what happens when Jesus speaks? When he simply says, be silent, come out of him. It's gone. It's gone. And the people were amazed. Because not only was the demon gone, but the man was unhurt. He was left whole and complete. He was a new person. They, in that moment, asked a most significant question, a question every one of us needs to be asking ourselves today and in this season and the rest of our lives. Who is this? Who is this? For with power and authority, he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. Who is this that speaks into the brokenness of the world? And it's done. See, the word for authority here is key. It means that which is, has been confirmed. And the word for power is the word from which we get our word dynamite. Where does he get this dynamite? It's explosive. Now, I was working with my, my German professor yesterday because the the word for authority that's taken from the Greek really finds its fullest meaning in the German. Fallmacht. Fallmacht. Which means the power of attorney. Jesus had the fallmacht, the power of attorney, which meant he could do, he had the authorization to do what needed to be done because the Father had said, I have empowered you to go and complete what is incomplete in the world. You say the word, and it will be 
done. Jesus had been conferred with the power to do that which was not humanly possible. Now, you know what we're talking about, because look around in our, in our world this week. What's happened politically, what's happened on a crime level, do you feel like you've got anything you can do about any of that? On a human level, anybody here feel like they can change that and fix that? Because if they can't, please, would you do something? <laughs> Jesus was conferred with a power to do that which was not humanly possible, and he did. He came into Capernaum, and the thing that was troubling them most was this man was filled with a demon, and he said, be gone, and it was Jesus has authority, Falnacht, because he was, even as he was emptied of the full, the human power, God's authority flowed through him. And that's just it. When we will stop thinking that it is going to be some sort of human action we take that's going to make things new and rely upon the authority, the Greek word is azousia, that only God can give, then things begin to happen. God's authority flowed through Jesus and it changed the world because he was not afraid to lose on the world's standards, by the world's standards. He was willing to give himself up to do what God knew needed to be done in order to point to the power that really does change things. And here's where it gets very personal. Here's where it gets very, very personal for every single one of us here, no matter what age we may be. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are a member of this body, his body, not just this one here, but the body of Christ in the world, Jesus has conferred upon you the azusia, the phalmach, the authority to cast out demons and make things right in and through his body, the church, so that people will see the power and the authority that puts everything into perspective. Jesus has identified what is wrong and has come to give you and me the authority to do something about it the one thing that really matters. Now, we have become addicted to worldly power. Have you noticed that? We are addicted. We have made an idol of it in so many ways, politically, medically, psychologically, financially. But none of these idols are making us whole. And their power pales in comparison to the power Jesus has poured into us to draw the demon-possessed, idol-worshiping world to himself through us. The demons that possess us have all kinds of forms. And Jesus Christ alone is the one who can heal us of that addiction. We, we don't know quite what to do here in the West, in our sophisticated setting. We don't know quite what to do with this, this business of demon possession. And, and casting out demons. You don't see too many Presbyterians or Methodists or Episcopalians or Lutherans or even the independents doing much about that. Not like the third world, because the church in the third world knows exactly what to do about it. 
They do because they believe in demons and because they know they don't have the authority or the resources to deal with life's biggest problems because they know what life's biggest problems are and it's not the Dow Jones stock averages or who's running for president. They know that it is the power of evil that needs to be confronted head on because they know what Paul's talking about when he says our, our battle is not with flesh and blood. It's with principalities and powers. And in the third world, demons are still being cast out because they know what demons really are and they speak not in the name or authority of anything other than Jesus Christ. They know that Jesus has that power. And it is time we reclaim this power as the church in the West, realizing who rather than what we are facing. <laughs> notice where this happened. I want you to take a, a, a notice of where this demon was. He was in a Presbyterian elder in the church. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't happen out on the street or in some bar or casino. Jesus goes into the synagogue and it's somebody who's regularly in the synagogue with a demon. That's who we're called to proclaim to ourselves. If I've got a demon, I need that demon cast out in the name of Jesus Christ. The who we are facing is none other than the devil. It may masquerade as a political issue or as an emotional or a financial one. But what holds us captive is how we have suddenly given power and authority where it does not belong. What kind of demons are in the church today? Depression, doubt, fear, anger. How do we let the authority of Jesus cast them out? By letting his love be the only thing that speaks to all of our devastation. Are we being honest about these demons? Are we being honest about our anger, our fear, our doubt that poisons us? Are we living in the power that Jesus has conferred upon us? Are we saying, I've got the authority. I've got the power of attorney here. I can just sign that. When I was selling motorcycles, we would automatically have customers sign a power of attorney because invariably, especially me, would forget to have them sign one of the 4,000 forms that they had to sign. So when I saw that I had, I had skipped two or three signatures, I'd go, oh, phew, I got power of attorney, and I could sign the guy's name for that particular form. Jesus Christ has said, hey, take a deep breath. I've given you power. I know it's crazy out there. That's why I came and gave myself for you. I've conferred on you the power. Speak to that demon, that fear, that doubt, that anger, that compulsion, whatever it is. Tell it to go away. Now, the reality is it might take a while. We might have to say that again and again. We might have to say, I'm trusting you, Lord. And the Lord may say, I know. And I know this seems like it's taking a long time. And I know it feels like it's really hard. And I know it hurts to have that taken away from you. But trust me, God says, as I remove this from you, you will not be hurt. You will be made whole. Shortly before, we, we, need, to, we need to get in touch with this. We need to get in touch with the fact that the devil has no power that we don't give him. We need to say, get out. But we need to take seriously the call to do that. And shortly before he died, Justice Antonin Scalia, who was not taken seriously by many people because he took God at his word, gave an interview to New York Magazine, and he explained his beliefs about the reality of the devil. 
came right out and said it. And after mentioning his belief in, in a real heaven and hell, he interjected, I even believe in the devil. The interviewer continued, you do? I thought you were a sophisticated justice. You shouldn't. Yeah, of course I do. He's a real person. Have you seen evidence of the devil lately? Scalia says, you know, it's curious. In the Gospels, the devil's doing all sorts of things. He's running pigs off cliffs. He's possessing people and whatnot. And that doesn't happen very much anymore. You know why? Because the devil is smart. So what's he doing now, the interviewer asked. What he's doing now is getting people not to believe in him or in God. He's much more successful that way. I mean, come on. That's the explanation for why there's not demonic possession all over the place. That's always puzzled me. What happened to the devil, you know? He used to be all over the place. He used to be all over the New Testament. What happened to him? He got smarter. He got wilier. Isn't it terribly frightening to believe in the devil? You're looking at me as though I'm weird. My God, are you so out of touch with most of America, most of which believes in the devil? I mean, Jesus Christ believed in the devil. It's in the Gospels. You travel in circles that are so, so removed from mainstream America that you are appalled that anyone would believe in the devil. Most of mankind has believed in the devil for all of history. Many more intelligent people than you or me believed in the devil. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The devil. The power of evil is real. And what is, but what is more powerful, what is more powerful is the one who defeated him on the cross in his self-sacrificing love so that we could experience that power, that authority, that falmacht, that Azusia, in the midst of our broken and weary world that is described this way by John. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power, dunamis, dynamite, to become children of God who were born, not of blood or of the will of the flesh, or the will of man, in other words, not by anything that any human being did, but who are born, how? Of God. That's where our power is. This is the power that Jesus, the God of the universe, has conferred on you and me and this church for two reasons. One, and I want you to remember this as long as you live, one, God has given you and me this authority because he truly and deeply loves you. He knows you. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. He knows what has gone on, and he loves you and wants to make you whole. He wants to give you a new life, the life that only he can give. He wants to free you from the devil and the schemes that woo you into thinking that there is some worldly answer that can make you whole. That's the devil's way. Jesus wants to save you from that. If you don't know this, if you don't know this, that this mark right here says God loves you so much that he will protect you from anything the devil could try to do, know it today. And if you don't know how to receive that, come and see me today. See Timothy today. See someone here today. Ask about how you can experience that. That Jesus has the right and the power and the authority to step into your life and cast out 
anything that is keeping you from knowing the transforming power and love of Jesus Christ, know that today. It's a treasure. It's the only thing that matters. He can and will cast out any dependence you have on anything or scheme or dream that is holding your life captive. And the second reason Jesus has conferred his power and authority upon his church is so that we will know how much he loves us. And here's the powerful part. So that a report about him begins to reach every place and region. That's why Jesus said, here's my power of attorney. I'm giving it to you so that we would be able to go out into every single corner of the world and say, I'm here in the name of Jesus Christ. And it's going to change things. It's going to change people's lives. See, Jesus came to cast out our demons with his power and love and in the Father's name so that we would be able to, in very tangible, practical terms, go in every place in the name and the power of Jesus to show that he really has healed us. That we really have been made whole. That something was wrong. Something was really broken. And that he came and he loved us into renewed life. And that what was wrong is gone. And we are, we are right. He came to do this. And that he still reaches into lives today to bring his peace and shalom that fills every cavity, that brings broken marriages together, that calls churches to stand for his truth and righteousness, that changes hearts and turns them away from being addicted to things and the schedule of this world. This is why he conferred his power, his authority on us. This is the power and authority Jesus wants to pour into your life and my life and the life of his body, the church. He wants to come and cast out all those subtle satanic powers that keep us from living and showing the new life he alone can give. Someone needs to hear from you how this has happened and is happening. Someone needs to hear about how God's love has changed you and has made you whole and is making you a new person. Here's what I mean. Let me finish with this. True story. Muriel's childhood crippled her emotionally. She began visits to the hospital's psychiatric ward when she was a teenager. By her late 40s, she'd seen dozens of counselors, therapists, and psychiatrists. She was on a cocktail of antidepressants, an anti-this, an anti-that, medication so potent that it could have subdued a blue whale. She had logged no fewer than 61 counts of electric shock therapy. But nothing really helped. The problem was what others had done to her. Cruel things, malicious things, godless things, things that we all know about. One day she walked into the office of a new therapist. Muriel, as you can well imagine, was cynical. She had low expectations. The therapist heard her story and simply asked her this question. How would your life have been different if someone had come alongside you when you were 14 and showed you your strengths 
instead of telling you that you were sick? How would your life have been different if someone had come alongside you when you were 14 and showed you your strengths instead of telling you you were sick? In all those years, she said, I never considered that. And then I saw it. I wasn't stuck in my life as I knew it. My life could be otherwise. I decided then and there to live it otherwise. I changed my mind about who I was, which allowed me to change everything almost instantly. And my friends, that's Jesus Christ. He's going to come into your life, my life, the life of someone that we have a touch upon, and say, I believe that you are not the sum total of what has happened to you. I believe you are a person that God loves and wants to heal and renew and change today, and that will change everything. The old has passed away, the new has come, and that is what Jesus Christ has done in casting out that demon in us so that we can do that in others. Jesus is saying this to you and me right now in our crazy mixed up world and he's calling us to find the murals in our life and tell them about his power we have the authority to heal in his name may that happen today may every single one of us decide that we are the person jesus died to make us and just like muriel may the report of jesus go into every corner of the world because we live in his name Lord Jesus, we we praise you that it is no accident that you gave us this scripture to look at after this week that we've lived. And we pray that because you have given it to us, our lives will never be the same. And that because they are not, someone else's life will not be the same. That you would come in your power and your authority and cause us to realize we we are not powerless bystanders. We are people who can act in your name in our own lives and in the lives of others to bring a healing that is yours, that renews and restores and carries us beyond all the brokenness of this world. Give us the courage to wait on you, to trust you, to let you do what only you can do in your time and your way. Thank you. If there's anyone here today that does not know that, Lord Jesus, let that person or persons yield to you. And if they're is a part of any of us that needs to let you come in and cast out that which is holding us back from your love. Let it happen today for your glory. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's stand up. And let's proclaim this as we say what God has done. Let's say it together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting.
that is no accident. That Jesus Christ died for you and me is proof that no demon can hold us back and that we have that power and authority to bring healing in the world. To Dallas, to Minneapolis, to New Orleans and the ends of the earth. May the report of Jesus Christ go out to every region because of us and may we realize that because of the authority he's given us we go nowhere by accident where we go God is sending us where we are our Lord has a purpose in our being there because Jesus Christ indwells us he has something he wants to do through us where we are may we believe it and go in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God the Father the communion and the fellowship and the equipping power of God's Holy Spirit every single step of the way.